All right, I'm gonna call the meeting to order. Oh, we're going. <laughs> hey, call the meeting to order at uh, 4:34, I guess. We're uh, gonna recognize al alternates. Yeah, we have uh, Kelly Freeling for Rockney Cole from Iowa City, and I believe that is it at this point in time. All right. Uh, okay. Consider of. Approval of the meeting minutes. So moved. Okay. Second. Mary got motion and a second. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Okay, I hear all eyes, so that's approved. Uh, we're going to set the next board meeting date and time and location. Looks like November 14th in Coralville. Yeah, tentatively hosted by Coralville November 14th, and we'll follow up with Coralville to make sure we can arrange for the room. Okay. Uh, next item will be public discussion of any items not on the agenda. Is there anybody here for that? I had just one quick one. Um, I, for those of you who have not yet met him, Frank Wayseth is our new assistant transportation planner. Uh, Frank is an alum of the graduate program at the University of Iowa, and he's got his urban regional planning uh, master's degree. Uh, Frank was an intern with the MPO years ago and then comes our way uh, via South Dakota. So we're happy to have Frank back, and hmm. um, I'm sure you'll all work with Frank uh, sometime in the near future. All right. Okay, moving on uh, for transportation planning. Uh, we've got A, and Fred is up. Fred Assistant Transportation Planner. Uh, what we have is an amendment to the FY 2018 TIP. Not to be confused with the FY19 that you approved back in July. Uh, the 2018, it's on the federal fiscal year, so it runs through the end of September. Uh, and the DOT, the Iowa DOT requested um, the amendment to the FY18 TIP. So this would make uh, three buses eligible for a grant that the DOT is putting together through the Federal Transit Administration. And because the FTA is using FY17 funding, it has to be in the FY18 TIP. So the 19 was not good enough. So, uh, so we're asking uh, to amend those three buses into the FY18 TIP. Uh, the Technical Advisory Committee unanimously uh, recommended approval of the amendment. And I'm here to answer any questions after the public hearing. All right. If not, I guess uh, I'll open up the public hearing. Is there anybody here from the public on this item? Any other discussion? Okay, not hearing anything, I guess. So we'll close the public hearing. And now, if there's any other questions to Brad, otherwise we can consider the amendment. I move the amendment. Okay, thanks. Got a motion and a second. Any other discussion? All right, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, no. Okay, it's approved. Thanks, Brad. Uh, next item 3B will be discussion regarding surface transportation block grant and transportation alternative program for scoring criteria for funds allocated by the MPO JC. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Kent Ralston, director of the MPO. Uh, MPO grant applications for our surface transportation block grant funds and our transportation alternative program uh, federal funds will be made available either late January or early February of 19 
And per our normal practice, uh, we wanted to provide this board an opportunity to review the scoring criteria that will go in the applications prior to initiating that process. Uh, by way of background, the scoring criteria were last uh, revised and approved by this board for use in the 2017 uh, applications. Uh, and that was, um, at the time, it was just for surface transportation block grants because the federal, uh, the new federal transportation legislation had prohibited us from moving forward with the transportation alternative program funds. Uh, but this year it would be both those uh, funding pools. Uh, we also used the attached scoring criteria to score and rank long-range plan uh, projects that showed up in our fiscally constrained list of projects. The importance for that is for for all of your respective entities to apply for funds through the MPO, that project also has to show up in the adopted long-range plan. That's one of the, the criteria to do that. So because of that, we, at the time, I think, uh, chose to align both the scoring criteria for the long-range plan and for our applications, which has made sense. That's also something that the Federal Highway Administration has been encouraging us to do. Uh, so there's a better connection with projects that we're planning on uh, achieving and, and funding, and those we're actually funding, which, which makes uh, a lot of sense. Uh, at their September 12th meeting, the Transportation Technical Advisory Committee recommended uh, a host of minor, what I'll say are tweaks to the, the scoring criteria that's attached in your uh, packet. Uh, for criteria 1A for economic opportunity, they wanted to increase points uh, as they thought that because our community is growing so fast, the economic opportunity was uh, something they felt very strongly about. And I should mention, uh, all of these next um, uh, items that we'll go through, they are the exact uh, criteria that are in the long-range plan. So this economic opportunity is one of the criteria in the long-range plan. Uh, the next one is quality of life. Uh, they wanted to increase points as there's an emphasis on quality of life in the recently adopted long-range plan. They felt that should have been, I guess, uh, awarded more points and they felt strongly about that. Uh, criteria 5B for efficiency. Uh, they wanted to provide the same number of points for projects and corridors with future congestion as those with existing congestion. Right now in the scoring criteria, you would be awarded more points for alleviating future congestion over existing congestion. Um, and, they, and they wanted to make those uh, the same. For criteria 7C for safety, uh, they wanted to generally increase points for projects with a documented safety issue. Uh, right now, you would be earning more points for a project that either has um, a top 25 mid-block collision rate or a top 10 uh, collision rate, as is indicated in one of our other plans. Um, and they thought that just if you have uh, something documented by an expert, whether it's an engineer, a, a, a transportation official, or so forth, that that should be awarded this, uh, a higher amount of points. Um, in terms of equity for criteria 9B, they wanted to decrease points, as most projects would necessarily already include work to correct ADA issues. So if you looked in the scoring criteria right now, if the focus of your project, and that's sort of loose language, but if the focus of your project is to alleviate ADA issues, and that could be a project where you're using MPO funds to uh, go through your community and improve curb ramps, for instance, and bring those up to compliance, um, right now you achieve, I think it's five points. Uh, they actually thought that that was a little high because all of our transportation projects have to comply with ADA uh, regulations. So this would, so the idea was that it would be rare that you would have a project solely with the focus of achieving or alleviating uh, ADA compliance. 
issues. So that was uh, uh, for criteria 9B. And then for criteria 10, uh, for local commitment, they had uh, indicated that they wanted to increase points for projects with more than 40% local match. Uh, and I think the idea there was just to simply uh, stretch the federal dollars further um, and give points to those local communities that have a, a bigger stake in the game, so to speak. Uh, staff supports all of these changes. I, I consider these to be minor changes and they're just sort of tweaking things. Uh, we can support all of, all of those modifications uh, if the board chooses to move forward with those. Uh, I, however, I don't recommend and I, and I would not recommend changing the actual criteria themselves because all of these criteria, as I mentioned, align with the long-range plan. So I think if we want to award fewer points for some or more points for other criteria, that's okay. You know, changing the actual criteria themselves is kind of a bigger issue since we just approved uh, our long-range plan back in May of 17. So the plan is meant to uh, be in place for five years. We're really just kind of getting into the long-range plan itself, so it would seem a little odd to me to change the criteria now, uh, but that's, of course, uh, up for debate. What we'd like for the board to do this evening is to discuss the scoring criteria for use and the pending uh, 2019 STBG and TAP grant applications. Uh, should this board want me to go back and adjust scores uh, for those criteria we just went through, I would do so and then bring those back to you all in November for approval. Because then we would need our grant applications ready to be, um, I guess the process to be initiated in January. So we've sort of built in a few meetings uh, for us to work through this issue. Um, I do want to mention also, as I typically do, that the scoring criteria are just one tool to use. Um, I guess it's the only tool, but one, one thing to consider um, with respect to funding projects. You by no means have to use the scores um, to prioritize projects for funding. We typically do, but that's not a requirement. So I went through that pretty fast. Um, I'm happy to try and explain sort of the rationale of the TAC uh, for any one of these if you'd like me to. Um, in all honesty, there wasn't a ton of discussion at the TAC uh, level. It was just sort of, everybody sort of, you know, had, had a little bit of say in each one of these, uh, and it was a unanimous um, vote, however, to bring these to you. Any questions about either what the TAC had recommended or... I've not gone through the exercise of how many points we would actually add uh, or subtract, uh, whatever the case might be, and the TAC did not suggest that. They just wanted us to, to think about you know, increasing or decreasing generally. Um, when you actually look at the scoring criteria, we, we sort of have kind of a three, five, seven sort of theme to it, three points, five points, seven points, uh, except for a few. So I would think we'd keep on that same sort of theme and if, you know, if there was a desire to increase some, we'd probably add a few points to those. So I don't think it would change things wholesale, but it would, um, it would change sort of how we're prioritizing projects. My question was about the total number of points, and you're just alluding to it right now. I think there are 74 possible points if I do the math on this. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. Does it make sense to um, move this to, say, a 100-point um, basis? and then try to redistribute these points uh, according to something that makes sense. Because I also heard you say just a moment ago that it's kind of arbitrary, the three, five, seven points that are in there. Would it make sense scientifically to, or statistically, I should say, to just round that up to 100 and try to base criteria off of that? Um, and, and then turn that yeah. into percentage. I'm sorry to interrupt again. And then turn that into percentages. So your, your right. first question should account for 15% of your score or 10% right. of your score. Right. Okay. Um, I don't know if I can answer that question. I mean, whether it makes sense or not, I guess, is debatable. Um, 
the way this sort of worked was when we went through the long range plan scoring process, you know, we, we brought these scores to you all and we had a discussion at that point in time several years ago. Uh, we did the same thing, of course, then in, for the 2017 applications, like I mentioned. Um, what I'm afraid will happen, and not so much with your question, but what I'm, what I'm afraid will happen is that if we keep sort of, you know, increasing priorities and decreasing priorities at the end of the day, uh, primarily all but one of the TAC recommendations were to increase the points, is that if we're increasing, you know, maybe six or seven of the, of the total of 10 criteria, we're sort of uh, not changing anything. You know, it's just sort of a wash if we're just growing the... Yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing was decreased to offset right. all of these increases. Yeah, yeah so, one potential decrease. Yeah. So it, it's sort of... Um, so instead of... It does feel sort of arbitrary, I guess. Yeah, so degree. instead of having point values that were assigned... And by the way, I think the, this, this process has worked well. I mean, I, when mm -hmm. this was rolled out maybe four or five, six years ago, you know, point values were, were pretty fair uh, at that point in time, and they still are. So does it make sense, though, to just bring this up to 100 and then not necessarily look at this as the number of points, but look at the percentage of value that a criteria brings to the overall scoring system? So take these numbers right now and say there's eight points possible, but there's 74 total, then eight divided by 74 becomes your percentage right now, and then tinker with those percentages within each one of those point values or those, um, those questions. So instead of points being right, adjusted, yeah. percentages of importance to the overall score. Yeah, and in hindsight, uh, had I thought about it, I probably would have put them in terms of percentages because it would be easier to follow, yeah. right? So, I mean, I think yeah. that's not a bad idea. Regardless of if we went to a 100-point scale or not, yeah. that clearly would have been helpful to you all. And what anybody else thinks about that? It's just a different way of looking at it, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's the same information, but you're, you're just suggesting, Chris, it would be... E more readily comprehended in terms of like percentages. Yeah, yeah. understanding it right. as a percentage of a hundred. Yeah. Right. You know. um, so it would just be a conversion, really. Isn't that all we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, we could easily, con I mean, without any actual changes to the scores, yeah, I mean, we could convert these to a, a percentage. I, I think it seems like a reasonable idea. Yeah, that would be step one, is just converting yeah. those to a percentage. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. to Ken's last question, though, or the note in here that all of the recommendations were, except for one, were to increase point values or now percentage values so there has to be some discussion specifically and I don't know who makes that recommendation Kent or how deep of a dive you want to go in with any one particular group to figure that out do you want to recommend or yeah. go through that based upon what you're hearing from yeah, TAC so, and so the one additional piece of information that I think would be useful too is that when we went through the long-range plan process and this process for the last uh, round of grant applications the four different um, categories, the four different criteria that generally both the TAC and the board supported uh, to be at a higher percentage or a higher number of points, however you want to look at that, were system preservation, efficiency, safety, and choice. Okay. So system, system preservation, efficiency, safety, and choice. And when you look at the new um, sort of what's been recommended by the, the technical advisory committee, you know, efficiency and safety are both on there to potentially be increased again um, in terms of importance. So, and that's where, again, you know, when we, we can do whatever the board wants us to do, but I'm just kind of afraid we're just sort of kind of working within the margins a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, it probably wouldn't change the outcome of a lot of project scores. Um, it's hard for me to, to know that, but, you know, typically what happens with our scoring is we have uh, maybe, let's say we get 10 applications, Five of those are pretty clearly in the top, and then five of those are pretty right. clearly in the bottom. That's usually how it works. Um, and then within that sort of uh, top and bottom um, project list, 
then it sort of works itself out typically. Um, so, you know, I don't know if changing a few of these by a point or two will really change the outcome of a lot, but it, but it certainly could. Um, it's hard to say without seeing what those projects would be and, of course, how we would score them. So, If, if we're going to go to the percentage, it would seem to me that the easiest way might be to go through and looking at what the current points are, make the adjustments of, you know, whether it's by one point, two point, three points that these various ones are increased, get a new total of right. 85 or whatever, and then convert to percentages, and then you're probably going to have to round a little bit, yeah. you know, so that you right. stay at 100, so you don't have 3.2% sure. type and stuff. It, and I think the, I think the, the idea of having the percentages is helpful regardless of how we mm -hmm. move forward. I, I think that's a, a great idea. Yeah, I agree um, but again, whether we actually change the scores yeah. or the percentages, however you want to look at it, is to be debated. I don't. I I've, I struggle a little bit with recommending these changes because I don't know. Um, you know, from a staff perspective, I, it's hard for me to tell your you know your individual entities what's more important. You know, whether it's safety, whether it's uh, economic opportunity. You no, know, it's really. I think what I'm gathering is a lot of communities have different desires, and if I asked each one of the individual MPO entities, we would probably come up with a different set of scores and percentages. So. Um, it's difficult for me to sort of make a recommendation on whether the tax, uh, the technical advisory committee's recommendations are a good idea or a bad idea. It's just sort of what it is. Um, you know, there's a, a bit of, of politics in this, of course, but then there's some, just some rational thinking behind it as well. Uh, I would say the bulk of these probably came from Coralville at the time. Uh, the Coralville Senate engineer had some ideas as to, as to what he, he would like to see change, and I would say the bulk of those came from them. So you put this question out to all of the entities then already? So the Coralville engineer, for example, provided feedback to you. Did you also get feedback from all of the other entities? Yeah, they were all present, okay. but primarily, um, primarily, I would say the recommended changes came from Coralville. But they were voted on unanimously. That's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, senior. So everybody agreed that that was affirmation. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they actually did vote. It was a unanimous okay. vote um, to send that to the, to, send, to make these recommendations and send that to this board. Okay. I'd recommend making some tweaks, like Susan just said, to mm -hmm. adding a few points to these categories, sure. and then making that percentage happen. You know, whatever that mm -hmm. up to a hundred percent, then, and then if you have to, you know, round down or up by a point, just sure. to make some even yeah. percentages in there, do that, and then see how that looks. You're probably right, right. Kent. It's probably not going to make much of a difference in yeah. the outcome of the scores. Yeah, and I didn't sense that the technical advisory committee wanted us to uh, triple the amount of points for any of these. I think right. they just wanted to see them just elevated, just kind of inched up a little bit. Yep. And that's where I was mentioning we're sort of on this uh, three, five, seven kind of scheme, um, which can be adjusted into you know percentages, however we want to look at it. But I, I sense that if they're at a three now, they probably thought we'd bump it to a five. You know, if that criteria is at a five, they probably assume we wanted to bump it to a seven. Okay. Uh, we'll take this back through the technical advisory committee, regardless, uh, to make sure that they're okay with it before bringing it back to you all in November. So we'll sort of have this entire iteration of uh, process again. Okay. Um, so what so what I'm hearing, and, it, and this isn't on the agenda necessarily for a vote tonight, but I just sort of wanted to get the the general um, the general feel for the board. So what I'm what I'm hearing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that we are generally okay with at least looking into what this looks like. You know, these these recommended increases and one decrease. 
putting that into percentages because it'll just make things easier and bringing that back to you all in November. And are you going to apply that to like the scores that were given to the last projects that have been awarded so we can compare the old scores to the new scores and see what it did to those projects? We can. We certainly could. So we, we can kind of see what it does? We certainly could. We went through that exercise for, I believe it was the long-range plan because we had some of that similar, um, I mean, we had this very similar discussion. So, yeah, if, if we want, we can pick out three or four projects and, yeah, and run those. That'd be good if you could put that then in yeah. the packet for, for yeah we'll have a table and we can show how that would have November. changed stack ranking yeah it kind of yeah no that's a great idea, idea what it does mm -hmm. before voting yeah 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 I was I was thinking it's a, it's a little bit abstract to try to understand what these life. changes uh, it is really yeah mean. no it is I understand that that would help us I think yeah no that's a great idea so we we will we'll go through the process of of basically increasing these scores. We will change them to percentages and, you know, we'll do some rounding and things if we need to. Uh, we'll show how the, well, probably what we'll do is we'll, we'll look at the projects that were approved last time and yeah, funded. Right. And we'll show how that would have changed the stack ranking um, using the new and improved criteria, I guess, the new and improved scores. Yeah. Uh, we'll bring that back in November. I do want to just throw out the caveat, though, that um, in November, or the warning, I guess, that in November we should be ready to have a really healthy discussion about this because come January, uh, we're pretty much ready at that point to, to put out the applications. Uh, we'll have about $6 million, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, in surface transportation block grant funds, and we'll have maybe $1 to $1.5 million in transportation alternative program funds. So we're, we'll have a, a nice, healthy chunk of uh, funding to allocate. We'll work with the DOT between now and then to make sure we've got our, our numbers accurate and, and an accurate target, but it'll be somewhere in that neck of the woods. Can you talk a little bit more about the equity piece? Mm -hmm. Because um, you know, if we're if that's something we're going to look at decreasing, yeah, it in the um, packet, you know, the it, it talks about the the ADA piece, but then when you get into the kind of more detailed um, description, it talks about being mindful of low-income mm. areas, providing, you know, um, transportation for folks with disabilities and things like that. So I suppose I would want to be a little bit careful um, mm -hmm. to keep the discussion about the, the whole equity piece and not yeah. just the ADA compliance. Yeah, no, I th that's a great question. So what it is, if you look at the scoring criteria, it's uh, specifically it was 9B that they're looking to reduce. So, so 9A uh, states, you know, the whole the equity, the idea of equity is that it provides access and opportunity for all people in all neighborhoods. Uh, 9A, the project improves transportation network in lower income neighborhoods. We'll actually look at all the different census block groups. Um, we're not so concerned with what what the percentages of those block groups are, but just that if your project's in one of those areas that's uh, socioeconomically um, burdened, I guess, however you want to state that, uh, you get three points. Right now, under 9B, if the focus of the project, and that's we've had difficulty with that in the past, the focus of the project is to correct ADA noncompliance, then you would get five points. What uh, I believe it was the Coralville City Engineer had argued is that all projects have to be ADA compliant now anyway. So what he's saying is, and that what he was saying is that it really doesn't make sense to have five points available for projects that would only focus on ADA noncompliance because there just aren't very many of them. Uh, so I think what he said is basically that feels like it should be the same amount of points to me, to him. Um, 
I can say that this has caused quite a bit of confusion and um, discussion over the years. And at the TAC level, we even discussed just scratching it all together. However, for the Transportation Alternative Program funds, so that's roughly 10% of the total federal funding we get, those cannot be spent on roadways. That's one of the caveats with that funding pool. And someone at the TAC level had brought up that for those funds specifically, it may be that you go through your trail system and reconstruct all the ramps or do something like that. It's more, it would be more common, I guess, than it would be for a street project. So that there might still be a rationale for having that criteria at all. It's kind of how the conversation went. It, it wasn't a real strong argument, but I don't think anybody felt really strongly about it there. Um, just that lowering that seemed to make some sense. So it wouldn't change the weight of all of um, what equity would carry with the score. It's just a subcategory. It basically. well, it would. It would actually no, that, and that's that's a good point. It would actually reduce then. You know, if that was only three points instead of five, it would bring the total percentage oh. down for equity. Yeah. Now we didn't have that percentage conversation at the technical advisory level. So when you put it in those terms, it does sort of change the it changes the feel of that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, conversely, though, if that gives this group trouble, we could also uh, flip the scores too, and have it be where the focus is only worth three points, but the you know if we're actually putting funding into a lower socioeconomic area, that that then gets five points. You know that's and that would be perfectly reasonable to do. Yeah, I'd be in favor of that. That was that, that was a question that I okay. had as well. We would be affecting the entire category. Right, and 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 it it sort of comes to light a little bit more when you talk in terms of percentages, yeah. and would that actually reduce the percentage for the equity category, and it really would, mm -hmm. or the equity criteria. So, um, yeah, if the board's in favor of that, we could easily flip those yes. as part of this exercise. That's what I would think, because we're not really on the project. Okay. Right. Everybody's generally okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm happy to answer any other questions you have, but I think we've at least got some marching orders. Um, we'll work through this and bring you back um, something I think we can have a more thoughtful conversation about then in November. Okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah, excellent. Okay, we're on to 3C. Uh, discussion regarding potential federal functional classification changes for the MPOJC urbanized area roadways. Good afternoon, Emily Bothell, Transportation Engineering Planner. The MPO has been in the process of working with the Iowa DOT and the Federal Highway Administration to update the federal functional classification map for the Iowa City urbanized area. The functional classification system is a hierarchy of five roadway classes and identifies which roads are federal aid routes. The classes from highest to lowest are interstates, principal arterials, minor arterials, collectors, and then local streets. The functional classification system's significance to the MPO's activities is that federal funding can only be spent on roadways that are functionally classified as collector or higher. So that so the grant funding that Kent um, had just mentioned, the STBG grant funds, um, those can only be spent on roadways that are classified as collectors or higher. Um, at this September 12th TAC meeting, we asked members to review the current map and identify any roadways that they would like added to the current system. Potential roadways must demonstrate a high level of connectivity within the current system, and future roadways um, that are not yet built must be in a community CIP in order for the DOT to approve them. 
Only 35% of the total road mileage within the urban area can be included in the federal functional classification system. And currently the urbanized area is approximately 12 miles under that 35% limit. So once we receive potential roadways identified by MPO jurisdictions, we will take um, those to the DOT to get pre-approval. Once we get pre-approval from the DOT, we will take that recommendation to the TAC and then bring it back to the board for final approval. Um, I do have the map available um, that I can show on the screens if anyone is interested in knowing whether or not a particular roadway is currently on the um, Federal Functional Classification System map. Um, and I'm here to answer any other questions that you have about the process. What if you get more than 12 miles recommended to add and that puts us over that percentage? Do we have to go back then and take some out? Yes, if we get more than 12 miles added, um, we will have to um, take those to the TAC and have a discussion about um, which roadways are priorities. Okay. Um, and then we would bring that um, to the board as well. Okay. Yeah, and the other option too, Susan's of course, if Iowa City wanted to add 10 miles, let's say, you could also reduce the existing mileage by 10 miles. So it's kind of, right, so it can be kind of a one for one. Right, but that's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. If, if, right. if as an organization, we're going to go over that 35%, right. then we've got to pull some out that are currently right. designated in there. Yep, we can either prioritize them and just add them as we see fit, or if Iowa City says, you know, we still didn't make the cut on prioritization, you know, as far as the MPO boards, mm -hmm. then right. in some fashion, you could just say, well, that's okay. We'll remove two of our own miles and add two of our own miles, right. sort of independent of, right. of the board. The board will ultimately vote on that, but right. I, mean, I, I don't see any problem with that. Yeah. So this, this item is much like the last item. You can see we're, we're readying ourselves for these uh, federal applications, the funding applications, and this is just another um, piece of that, that puzzle. Um, we, we, before every funding cycle, uh, take this through the Technical Advisory Committee, so they're very used to doing this. Um, all of your staffs understand what this means. Uh, we just wanted to make sure you all understood it as well and can have a, a discussion with your, your staffs if need be. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Okay, we're on to 3D. That's an update on the Crandic Passenger Rail and Rails to Trail Studies. Yes, thank you. I uh, just want to give you a quick update on our two studies going on simultaneously here. It's the phase three passenger rail study and then there's a rails to trail study. Um, both of those, um, the scope and the cost have been worked out uh, with the uh, consultant HDR as well as the local financing for each one of the studies. Um, the phase three study um, for the rail, passenger rail, it's going to focus on the ridership revenue forecasts, financial strategies, strategies, benefits to the community, and a conceptual station design uh, that can be used by each community. Um, the study, what I've been told, take about 120 days. So we're looking at uh, the end of December, the end of the year, um, before we hear back uh, any results. Um, and I do, th I believe the HDR is trying to set up a conference call with stakeholders, I think the week of October 8th. Uh, they're having trouble getting everybody uh, scheduled um, together there. So the rails to trails study, <clears throat> that's going to focus essentially on developing a cost to removing the existing infrastructure, the rail, uh, and then uh, constructing about a six-mile trail between downtown Iowa City and the Oakdale campus, the research park uh, here in Coralville and North Liberty. Um, that study should take about 90 days, so we hope to hear something by the end of November. 
Um, and we do have a conference call set up with stakeholders uh, for tomorrow. So any questions on those two studies? We'll wait in here as uh, soon as we can. So that's the extent of phase three is up th through Oakdale and that's it? It's not going for the far. trail. For the for trail. The trail. Okay. For the trail, yes. Now the, the rail passenger rail will go to Penn Street. Okay. So all the way from maybe Gilbert Street in Iowa City to Penn Street. Yeah, the trail study stops at uh, Oakdale because the city of North Liberty already has a trail There's that parallels trail the tracks yeah. right in that corridor. I, so. I, I yeah. get it now, yeah. but I thought that was for yeah. the passenger. No. <laughs> yep. the no. They are going to go to Penn Street on that. Any questions? Okay. Thank you. Uh, okay, we'll move on to 3E, update from the MPOJC citizen representative to the East Central Iowa Council of Governments. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to quick, I, I have not actually met Randy um, yet, uh, but I appreciate him coming. So just so you all know, you'll remember that every year uh, we appoint a citizen representative from Johnson County to the East Central Iowa Council of Governments. Um, we do that through an application process, uh, and Mr. Lobsher was kind enough to do that this year. So we've asked him to come give an update on things that are important to Johnson County that, that you all have been working on. Thanks for the introduction, Kent. So I didn't have to do that. <laughs> um, so essentially the ECI COG is um, really broken down into about four different categories. Um, loan for business development, uh, transportation, uh, solid waste and environmental services, and then also community and development um, community development and housing. Uh, so just kind of running down those uh, for updates of the last six months that have been on the board. Um, the uh, business development side of it, there's been uh, two loans provided to um, the Amana Colonies uh, Golf Club for Warren for their new event center, um, about $100,000 to that group. And then uh, jet engineering out of Cedar Rapids. Um, uh, for capital uh, operations. Um, so these are loans that are given to companies that are then repaid and then given back out to um, other businesses at later dates. Um, as far as the transportation goes, um, not too much, or I guess they're mostly what's um, probably important to this board um, would be the corridor rides. Um, the van pool marketing um, has been going pretty well. Uh, there's been KCRG spotlights, uh, mobile um, billboards that have been going around, um, and then website updates to make that a lot easier for people to um, participate in. Um, the next big thing that's kind of happening with them is um, there's the express bus line that is supposed to open October 1st. Um, right now, um, and then they had to go um, bid out for a third party, and it was Windsor Lines who had worn that bid out. Um, there's an invite, on, I think it's on the ECI COG website, uh, for um, uh, essentially an open house on the 28th of, of seeing the um, express line that's going to make all the stops just to um, uh, kind of show off the new express line. Um, as far as the solid waste and environmental services, um, there is, um, there's a, uh, sorry, there's a, 
the county Iowa County landfill has been um, essentially uh, reestablishing their environmental environmental management systems so there's been a lot of work done to that there's been a USDA grant uh, essentially to uh, provide um, um, uh, training to all of the land landfill sites um, for in development of resources for um, uh, proper disposal of waste um, unfortunate thing as recent or as of our last meeting we heard that the uh, USDA um, we got through a phase two but they're not going through a phase three of that training um, they're going to finish up phase two because of um, they didn't end up getting funded for the end of that project um, the watershed planning um, encompasses four watersheds the Clear Creek watershed Indian Creek watershed uh, Middle Cedar watershed and then also the lower cedar uh, watershed um, probably most notable out of all of those was the Indian Creek watershed where they just hired a um, coordinator that was funded by a uh, $306,000 grant from the NRS uh, which was secured by the ICI COG uh, last on the list uh, community development and housing um, these don't pertain to Johnson County particularly, but um, there's been about a million and a half dollars um, um, provided to Central City, Lisbon, and uh, Hiawatha for um, uh, essentially development of, of housing. Um, um, and just to remind the, this board, I guess, is that um, Johnson County is also available for those funds um, when when they come up um, in uh, and then also then in the partnership with the housing trust fund of Johnson County um, we've applied for um, a two hundred and almost eighty thousand uh, dollar loan from the uh, Bank of Des Moines and we're waiting to hear back on on that and then lastly um, we're also administering a small rehabilitation uh, program for the city of Coralville, um, which currently includes two houses. And that's all the updates for the last six months I could come up with. <laughs> Is there any questions? Great for me. Thank, thank you, you very much. much. All right, thanks, thanks for the update. All right, uh, 3F update from North Liberty staff on significant community projects. Yeah, similar to what we do uh, when we're in your entity, we like to ask uh, for just brief updates on what the community's been up to. Um, not specific to transportation, but uh, that's of interest to us all. So. Hi, my name is Michael Pettacost. I'm the streets uh, superintendent here in North Liberty. And um, uh, I was just kind of running down the list of North Liberty's got basically eight major to minor um, transportation projects going on right now. Um, some are complete and some are uh, currently in construction, obviously. Um, North Front Street, uh, Kansas Avenue, um, Ranshaw Way, 965 uh, Phase 3, Core Ridge Avenue, 965 Phase 2, um, Forever Green Road uh, Bridge uh, Interchange, Forever Green Road, the street project, and then uh, we have trail system improvement project and adaptive uh, signal project that is currently underway right now. Um, I guess I'll list a little, th uh, a couple things from each of these projects real quick uh, where they're at in the process. Front Street is basically uh, complete right now. It's uh, from Zeller Street to Cherry Street. 
um, and that was basically a, a complete revitalization of that street and it was one of the older streets and uh, brought uh, things like uh, four-foot sidewalks up to uh, current standards five-foot um, ADA compliant for interchange or the uh, pedestrian walking ramps things like that uh, our ranch way phase three is about 74 percent complete right now um, uh, trail system lighting bioswales um, five lane through the whole area uh, curb and gutter uh, so that is expected for November to December time frame for complete to be complete. Um, Corridge Ave, um, mostly a Corville pro project. Uh, North Livery has a slice in there that they're involved with. Um, that's I would estimate at about a, a over 50% complete on that. Um, and uh, Forever Green Road interchange uh, area there uh, for the I380 interchange. Uh, it's on task right now to be opened the interchange for fall of 19. Uh, along with that is uh, our Forever Green Road uh, Street project, uh, and that is scheduled for a November opening, December, possibly a spring opening, depending on uh, weather permitting. So, um, Kansas Avenue project is on task for 51%, and that's as you know the the gravel section between. Um, St. Andrews Drive and uh, Forever Green Road will be uh, curb and guttered water um, uh, will be going through that area too potable water so that's on task for 51% of that's complete that's a December to uh, November to December time frame for that to be opened and then our trail network uh, we had uh, three major areas in town that expanded trail uh, network and that is uh, Scales Bend area Penn Street area and Alexander Way area uh, that project's complete as of right now. So, and then the final one I'll mention is our adaptive uh, traffic control, uh, which is basically a signalization process um, that the IDOT is funded for our 14 signals here in town. Uh, basically, is a smart system that can handle changes in traffic flows that we're expecting as part of the 8380 interchange uh, work to be done. So that's what's going on this year. Uh, next year, uh, we've got a Main Street project similar to the Front Street project that um, we had earlier this year. Um, Penn Street, uh, we call it the Penn Street Front Street Corridor Improvements, and that involves uh, that intersection as well as the new school location out by South Slope and some uh, site improvement uh, um, design at the Dubuque Street, Penn Street area. And then the uh, last would be the uh, Forever Green, uh, the finish of Forever Green Road uh, to Jones Boulevard from the Covered Bridge Road area. So um, this year's obviously been busy in the whole corridor area and, and looks to be continued that way for next year too. So I'd entertain any questions if you have any. You mentioned um, the traffic signals and the adaptive. Um, the adaptive, yep. thank you. And I was wondering if that will be adaptable to um, the software that emergency vehicles are getting in question. some places? It's a good question. So part of that um, project was uh, requirements that the DOT wanted as part of the adaptive system. That was not one of the requirements that they requested. So um, it's available to add to the system should we decide to do that, um, but it is currently not part of that project. Penn Street roundabout that you mentioned for next year. Yes. Uh, with the new school opening there in fall of 2019, 
how what, what's the timing on that in terms of the roundabout so the hope is is that that will all be done at the time of the school opening that's what that's what we're working towards right now great and that to be street uh, walkway too would be fabulous part of that too that too yep yep that's correct great thank you and about the roundabout um the best roundabout around here <laughs> is by the high school i hope that you go with that it's sort rather than some that aren't so well right now effective. the the design's at 50 percent design it is a similar look to that um but we're at 50 percent, so there's still some work to go but is it the same it's designer? a sim yes it's a similar look um same designer that's correct and what's different about this one too compared to one that you might be thinking of that you don't like so much is that we actually acquired three of the four property corners there so that we can make that a roundabout that's larger than the one that you might be thinking of which right is, now which is the fourth that didn't get acquired the one that's on the northeast section there where okay. it's townhomes all right that's what i would have yeah passed. and the bike the bike path is there currently so it's uh it, that will stay in place Okay. And, and some of that activity you might see is happening now. Um, some of the utility relocations are going on now um, so that as soon as construction can begin in March, April, that can, that can begin in order to meet that school timeline that you discussed. Those homes are going to be coming down soon, aren't they? I texted um, um, the guy who's in charge of that right now, and yeah. he said any day. Any day so now. the utilities have already been disconnected and everybody's out. So. So in the next few weeks, you'll see those homes removed, and it'll give you an idea on how much space that roundabout will take up. Then. Yeah, I can only visualize one of them, yeah. it, and it's on the um, southwest. There's South only three houses. West. Yeah, the other two. The other corners. Are they older uh, homes? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the other corner is a four fourplex, I believe. So there's three houses that are being removed, and then the fourth would stay. The so fourplex. older, like how old? And I'm asking because I was thinking about. Um, the salvage barn and folks that like to re recuperate or the, recover the um the, i would say things inside 70s but i think some have been um how do you say have, have been gone through and, and updated over the years um, so you oh you said they were built in the 70s yeah i'd oh, say originally maybe yeah. <laughs> that's young two of two of the three were uh, rental properties okay as well. I, I may have missed this too, but is there also plans for roundabout at what will be North Bend uh, South Slope yes. driveway? I yes. guess yes. Good, and that's going on simultaneously yeah. as this roundabout. Very good. And then that street connecting from Centro North Bend would be lead into that roundabout, so you'd have another connection from Dubuque Street to um, fr Front Street, Affy Bridge oh. Road. So pretty good. So we uh, received a, an update the county did. Um, from the MPO this morning on um, speed limits what and whatnot in the North Corridor, mostly uh, North Liberty Road and uh, North Dubuque Street. And one of the things we saw on those maps was a, you had mentioned Forevergreen Road a n a numerous times, but on the other end was the layout for a future expansion of uh, Forevergreen Road over uh, east eastbound. And we saw a layout. What is the current uh, um, plans for the extension, I guess, of Forevergreen Road? Um, past the uh, North Central Junior High? I think that's always been developer-driven, Yeah, Mike. Just okay. like Oakdale Boulevard was developed over the years. Uh -huh. I think that's that's always been so the So it's plan. not on your five-year road plan, per no. se? No. Okay. Very good. I 
That's it. Thanks. All right. Thanks Thank for you, the Michael. update. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Okay, we're on to other business. Uh, I just want to jump in quick before anybody else, um, if there was anything else, is that there was also an attachment in the packet. It's a letter from the Iowa City Mayor to the DOT Director um, regarding the I-380 expansion. And I just wanted to mention that because that's something the City of Iowa City requested go in our MPO packet. Any other business from anybody? All right. I guess we're ready for adjournment then. Somebody, um, thank you. And we want to second that. Second. Okay. All those in favor of adjournment say aye. Aye. We're adjourned. Thank you, everyone.